Well, coming off the weekend and getting ready to gorge ourselves for Thanksgiving later this week, it is the Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast. Glad to be back with you. I am merely the host. He is the guy you're here for, our insider, our content partner. Fight Freaks Unite Substack, Big Fight Weekend website, Big Fight Weekend podcasts, including the Fight Freaks Unite recap. Hello, Dan Rayfield. I know you're crotchety, uh, but I had nothing to do with Lions 31, Giants 18. Do not take that out on me. How are you feeling otherwise as we're ready to recap some fights and get some news and get caught up? You know, I'm a little cranky from such a shitboxing weekend, but what are you going to do? I understand. We got some some brief stuff to go over with the fights, and it's more about the future, what happens next, including we have some distinct future when it comes to the light heavyweight unified title fight with Archer Better BF and Anthony Yard. So we'll talk about that in a couple of moments. Again, however you found us, social media link uh, through Dan's Substack, through BigFightWeekend.com, whatever the case is, thank you for finding us. Make sure you're following, subscribing, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Dan, I need to say again, Thank you to the audience because they're finding us by the thousands and thousands and thousands on all of our programming, on all of our stuff. Um, so uh, keep doing so. When they follow, when they subscribe, we keep joking around about this, but this is the important thing because whenever the podcasts are available, what do they get? Rumor has it they get a ding, a banner, a bell, a light, a vibration. Something. Something. That tells oh, by them. the way, speaking of the subscribers, uh, I just saw – our last contest winner, Coach Danny from England. Yes. Who won our last giveaway on the key cards, yes. which I met out, uh, finally got them and posted a picture of them. So I did come see through that. on our, uh, on we our do. promises. And again, on the chronology, we asked people to rate and review us and that we would potentially draw you at random, of which Coach Danny was one over in the UK. We drew him at random, and you gave away a couple little cool trinket uh, electronic poster key cards from the Canelo Alvarez Gennady Golovkin one. I'm correct on that, yes, sir. And then Manny Pacquiao Floyd Mayweather. Those are great little mementos. So, Coach Danny, yeah. shout out to you. I know he listens to the pod. Anybody that's listening, we'll do another giveaway coming up. We're in the holiday spirit. We'll do another giveaway coming up, but it usually we're revolves. just going to figure out what we're going to give away. I got to right. go through my. That's, that's you. Go through the Rayfield collection and find something to give away. Again, rate us and review us because you, you listening, could be eligible to do this. If you haven't rated us and reviewed us, do that. Send us a screenshot that you rated us and reviewed us, and we might give you something else. Here, we're in the festive move. It's Thanksgiving. We're thankful for you folks in the audience. And we got the holidays coming up as well. Uh, okay, all good stuff. Let's get into it. Lots to cover, including news outside the ring first. Jaime Munguia won to no one's surprise, including his opponent, including his opponent's family, uh, Coria. No one, no one was surprised by this. He won. He won by knockout. Uh, Dan, it was the headlining fight, Sanford Promotions. It was what we expected. A couple of quick thoughts on the win. And are we finally going to see him fight a championship fight against somebody for the love of all that's holy go? I sure hope so. Uh, but I'm not sure what would, you know, thinking things are going to be different in the future after things have gone the same in the past is sort of the definition of an insanity. So if you if you keep seeing the same thing, but have a different expectation of the outcome, that means you're insane. And Jaime Munguia has been in a position for the last couple of years, ever since he went to the middleweight division, where at any time he could have had a mandatory title shot and time and again passed up. He's had, I mean, got to be about seven or eight fights in a row against complete nobodies or uh, guys past their prime or guys that were really massive underdogs, um, you know, guys that probably tried hard and got in shape and trained, but were just not at his level. And it's getting tiresome. Uh, you know, so last uh, the last fight against Coria that you mentioned, where he stopped him in the third round, 
Uh, Corey didn't look like he wanted to be there. The body shot that put him on the canvas in the third round, uh, I don't think was any kind of knockout punch uh, based on my experience of watching other such type of punches. Uh, he just was like, you know, I probably got to get up early to go to work on Sunday. And he just wanted to, didn't want to be there anymore. You know, he put in his three rounds uh, and off he went. Um, it proved absolutely nothing. It was a waste of time, a waste of energy, a waste of money. Um, it was it was one of the look. The zone has been in business putting on boxing match since the end of 2018. It kicked off their existence with what at the time was a pretty big, pretty good fight it was Anthony Joshua, uh, then defending his heavyweight titles against Alexander Povetkin. Nothing wrong with that. They drew 60-something, 70,000, whatever, at the big stadium. It was a big deal and a pretty, you know, a worthy kind of fight. Since that time, if you take a look at every single main event that they have done in conjunction with Matchroom Boxing and Golden Boy Promotions, which are their two main content providers that they have deals with, the fight between Mungi and Coria was a Zamfer co-promotion with Golden Boy, uh, but done through their association with Golden Boy. I think that the Coria opponent and Mungia Coria that card was the worst show that the zone has ever done on paper leading into that fight that they've done since they've existed. And I'm not being emotional. I'm not being like a hater. I'm just giving my opinion. Uh, that was not worthy of being on a subscription platform that I spend $150 a year to have. Uh, I'm sorry, that does not cut it. Um, and then you, 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 Combine it with the other boxing event that they had, and I used boxing in quote marks, the Misfits card, which was a bunch of YouTubers, uh, you know, slinging it out for four round scheduled fights. Um, some people may enjoy that. That's fine. Uh, I don't look down on those people. It's just not really not my thing. I did. We'll talk about it. I did tune in for one specific bout on that card, which was uh, your boy Haseem Rockman Jr. Mm. taking on a late replacement, the former UFC heavyweight and NFL defensive end Greg Hardy. But uh, not not the zone's finest hour last uh, last night as we take this on Sunday doing uh, that that Mungia Coria sewage combined with the Misfits card. <laughs> so uh, the phrase I often use and have for years, sports radio podcast, is they lick the stamp and mailed it in on this card of just put somebody in front of Mungia and the undercard wasn't very good either. So again, we're going to go over the three opponents. Oh, and you. Demetrius Ballard, Jimmy Kelly, no, it's more and, than now, that, and now Gonzalo Coria in this year. None of that oh, has any redeeming value, none whatsoever. So, again, I pose to you, do we have some hope that he's going to fight Janabek or somebody, or so, what are they doing with this guy otherwise? what I mean, he, what is up? He was calling out Triple G after the fight. Mm -hmm. which And if you go back a few years ago, there was a time when Golovkin was looking to fight Mungia at a time when Mungia was totally unknown, had never faced even a remotely halfway, even worse opponents that he's been facing recently. And they were going to do that match. And the Nevada State Athletic Commission put the kibosh on it, would not approve the fight. And so it didn't happen. And uh, Golovkin ended up fighting somebody else. I forget who he ended and up And the reason, against, and you explained this before, but just articulate again, was mismatch. They believed it was a mismatch yes, is why they, they kiboshed it. Okay. Yeah, that was still a Triple G at his prime and, Mungia was an untested fighter who had never faced anybody whatsoever. And they were just like, we're not going to approve this fight. So that adds to some element of a storyline that, I mean, whatever you think about Mungia's recent opponents, he's clearly qualified to fight Golovkin at this point. Um, but the thing about it is, and while I don't have an objection to that fight, I'm interested if Golovkin and, and Mungia are going are gonna, to uh, get in the ring and, uh, and slug it out. It's all well and good for them to call out Golovkin at this moment, who 
you know, after the loss to Canelo Alvarez said that he's going to come back down to the middleweight division where he has two of the titles. Because remember earlier in 2022, he went to Japan and he defeated Ryota Murata and he unified uh, the two belts. And so Munguia is calling him out now. The, but the problem is, and, and I know how important belts are to Triple G. It's, they're, they're a big deal to him. Uh, so I don't see him really necessarily giving them up. Uh, maybe he could get an exception. But the point is he's got mandatory defenses that are due in both organizations. So to think that he's going to be able to uh, escape both of the mandatory fights and do an optional defense against Munguia, you know, like, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's going to take some doing. In the meantime, we all know that going back uh, a couple of weeks ago, at the WBO convention, this was a few days before the WBO champion uh, Janabek fought Denzel Bentley, that they had ruled at the convention, A, that that Janabek, and maybe Bentley by extension, but it doesn't matter because Janabek won the fight, that Janabek would have 180 days and in his next fight had to fight a mandatory defense, and they, they formally uh, made Munguia the mandatory. So now, fast forward to today, just after Munguia's recent victory, and of course Janabek got the victory against Bentley, the WBO on Sunday issued the letter that they sent to Top Rank, the promoter for Janabek, and to Golden Boy, the promoter for Munguia, or the co-promoter for Munguia along with Zamfer, and ordered the negotiations to begin between Janabek and Munguia. So as far as the WBO is concerned, that's the next fight. Now, whether Munguia's team will actually go and participate in those negotiations or just seek an immediate perspit or have any interest in fighting Janabek remains to be seen. But if, if Munguia wants to get a shot at a title and, and Golovkin is going to be uh, complicated because of the fact that he has other mandatories due, the Janabek fight is right there uh, for them to make. Um, it's a good matchup. That'll be an exciting fight. They both have uh, um, good power. They both are, uh, you know, usually make entertaining fights. Um, they both have, you um, certain areas where you could see one, one of the other guys taking advantage of. I mean, they're not perfect fighters, obviously. Uh, so I'd be down for that. But Ken, <laughs> Monkey has been fighting as a middleweight for the last few years and could have had an immediate shot when he got to the weight class and, and, and ignored uh, that and did not go after an opportunity to fight Demetrius Andre. So you ask what he's going to do next. I have no idea. I mean, probably cry out for Triple G if he gets him good. If not, you know, hopefully he'll do the Janabek fight. But, uh, uh, to use a phrase that I use in other podcasts, don't tell me, show me. Yep. And you, you know, he's given me no reason. He and his team and Golden Boy and Zamfer have given me no reason to believe them when they say we're going to do a big fight because all you have to do is go and look at his record and you will see one shitty fight after another. That, you know, again, as I tweeted and said, every boxer is entitled to a soft touch here and there if you're a top fighter or a so called tune up fight. Hey, you're not entitled to seven or eight in a row. Amen. And the public will dictate by not watching, not caring, and turning well, listen, it I'm, off. I'm, as done, well. I'm done with Jaime Munguia. He fights you. a living, breathing body. Thank you. All right, so we move on off of that and that fight card. Also in the recap mode, the fights in England, the Queensbury uh, card that was in Telford, England, headlined by Liam Davies winning and winning the Commonwealth, right? The European and the, well, you had the Commonwealth on the line, right? He won the European Version of the junior um, featherweight DJ. title. What did, he, what did he win? He won the vacant European title. The vacant European title. Didn't he have the Commonwealth title already? He defended it. I, I guess. think he had the British title. But the, the main well, the crux title. of that fight was he won the, the European title, a very traditional, significant title for fighters uh, in Europe right. and in the UK, of course. So, and that's so, what he won. He did a good job outboxing um, his opponent, uh, uh, Balut, uh, 
Baluta, uh, yeah. Baluta, good for him. I mean, it was a, it was a good, classy boxing performance. Not exciting. He's not, and he's not a big puncher. He's not a spectacular guy. He did what he does, and we'll see if he gets in the mix somehow, some way at one twenty-two. Correct at junior featherweight. Uh, the real story is Anthony Yard, the light heavyweight contender, won in the co-feature by knockout. Say something about that as well. And now it's official. Yard gets Archer Betterbiev in January. That was officially announced about 53 seconds after the knockout that happened. Go ahead. So he was fighting a uh, stay busy fight, a tuna fight, however you want to refer to it, against an opponent called Stefani Koikov uh, from Bulgaria. This fight uh, was basically to get him tuned up so to speak, because it has been on the books that he's going to fight Better BF for the unified titles. He is the WBO mandatory challenger. Better BF has the WBO title in his collection. Uh, he won that belt in uh, in this past summer when he absolutely decimated Joe Smith Jr. in the second round. Anthony Yard was uh, ringside for that fight. They were supposed to do that match, uh, I want to say October, but because Better BF had a minor uh, knee surgery after that fight, he wasn't going to be ready for October. So the fight was pushed into January. So I had reported a couple of weeks ago that January 28th in London was when the fight was going to take place as long as Anthony Yard handled his business uh, in the tune-up fight that took place this past Saturday. He did just that. And as you mentioned, as soon as that, uh, as soon as the referee was done counting to 10, uh, <laughs> and what might have been the beat of 11 or 12, uh, top rank and um, Queensberry Promotions uh, blasted out their email to uh, the boxing media and uh, posted their materials on social media that, in fact, that fight is a done deal. January 28th, it will take place at the Ovo, uh, Ovo Arena Wembley, which again, as we've discussed, is the arena that is the small arena that's across the street from the big stadium. Very famous arena where lots of fights have happened over the years. Uh, probably, in my mind, most famous for where Marvin Hagler won the middleweight title yes. years ago, uh, you know, when he fought in England against Alan Minter. Um, so that that's the that's the main event of that card, January 28th. It will be on ESPN Plus in the United States. It will be on BT Sport as the main event in the U.K., and uh, Better BF is making his mandatory defense. It's not the B-Bowl fight that we want. But Anthony Yard is a good puncher and an exciting fighter. And it's going to be a second title opportunity. His only other previous chance was in 2019 when he gave uh, Sergey Kovalev at the time, the WBO champion, a pretty tough fight. But in the end, uh, Kovalev knocked him out late. And uh, then that propelled Kovalev into his matchup against Canelo Alvarez. Um, uh, Yard lost another fight since then on a split decision against Lydon Arthur. But he then avenged that. Uh, a couple of fights later by, by beating him in the rematch uh, pretty handily and uh, has won a couple of fights since. And now he's got his uh, mandatory opportunity. So as mandatories go, uh, I've seen worse. Uh, it's hard to see a real way that Yard actually will win unless he just catches better BF with the great shot. Um, you know, look what happened to Joe Smith. And I certainly don't view Yard as a better fighter than Joe Smith. Uh, mm -hmm. But we'll see. I mean, anytime you put two punchers in the ring, you can count me as interested. And better be have destroyed Joe Smith, to your point, in two rounds. So Correct. let's see but, but, that but one the, coming the, They'll January. hang their yeah. hat on that there there has been some element uh, of, of vulnerability with better be have. Everybody points to the one fight he had against Yard's British countryman, uh, Callum Johnson. They had a shootout a few years ago. Again, it was one of the early fights that was on the zone when they first were starting up that was a uh, an eddie hearn card and uh callum johnson put better be on the floor for the i believe the only time in his career he was knocked down he was hurt he got up and he ended up finishing uh, callum johnson a couple of rounds later but the point is uh what's the old saying from uh you know in in uh in rocky four or rocky five you know he's just a man uh and so they they felt like 
that there's vulnerability to better be of, even if he's destroyed everybody. Are you talking about Drago? You're talking about Rocky Four because Rocky, Rocky IV, Five yeah. was yeah, unwatchable, should be forgotten Correct. forever. No, no, Rocky Four. Rocky you're right, you're Four, right. where Duke Tony Burton's character, the late Tony Burton, sees, see, he he is just a man. He yes. bleeds just like you. Wasn't quite that dramatic, but you're making yes. your point that he was. Yeah. Not so so anyway, so it's a. Uh, you know, better be of his undefeated. He's won all of his fights by knockout. He's the only active champion with a hundred percent knockout ratio, and he's a dangerous guy, obviously. Yep. And had a great amateur career. He was a two-time Olympian and uh has had putting together a pretty good resume as a professional. So Anthony Yard is gonna be a big underdog, he's gonna end up hill climb. But look, he got the fight. Uh Frank Morin uh, delivered the fight for him in his hometown. Anthony is from in London, the fight taking place in London. Um, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh not not you know pretty decent fight to start up to you know hey, as an early y- early yards got yards got twenty two KOs and twenty three wins so there is some yeah. intrigue like you said and better be ever willing to get more money I'm sure to go there and to fight him so there'll be some intrigue in January so and the good thing is we don't have to wait that long it's not like yeah, they exactly. announced it's not like they announced it and it's going to be in May they announced right. it and it's going to be in January so yeah, we it's like, like that. basically two months from now we like that. Uh, okay, other news and other items uh, as we go along here in just a moment. By the way, let me mention that this portion of the Fight Freaks Unite podcast brought to you by PPV.com, Dan Rayfield. Don't forget that coming Saturday night, it is the Regis Progre uh, versus Jose Zapata vacant WBC 140-pound championship. It will stream live on PPV.com. Uh, That will come with all that they have for their outlet. There's no subscription required. You can just sign up. They have live hosted chats, fan reaction videos. It's a great interactive way to watch the fights on PPV.com. There are feeds available in English and in Espanol, Dan Rayfield. For Zapata Progre, go to PPV.com. You can order up the fight. There's no further obligation, no subscription needed. It's not like you're going to have to sign up for six months or a year. To get it, just order it through our friends at ppv.com, and they are sponsors here of what we're doing with the Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast. Okay, since you and I spoke in the preview mode uh, for the weekend, before this past weekend, Gervonta Davis now has an opponent, officially named for January 7th. Take us through, And it's not a bad opponent. Speaking of fighting a decent fighter in a tune-up fight, it's not a bad opponent. Take us through that as that's coming, and it's also going to morph into Ryan Garcia saying, I'm going to get a fight in, too, before Garcia and Davis are due to fight later in 2023. But what about, let's go in order, Davis and his opponent being, offici- being officially named uh, for January 7th. So when when all the news came out a couple of days ago uh, that there had been an agreement made uh, for Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis to fight, uh, when I reported that that would be taking place on April 15th, uh, the camps all said it would be in Las Vegas. Uh, they had not named the date, but I'm reporting it's, it's April 15th, on uh, at least in pencil anyway. But anyway, uh, the whole point here was that there were still things that had to take place, that they hadn't signed anything. They basically agreed to agree. They had agreed to the split, to the weight of 136 pounds, to the time frame, to the location, uh, that the broadcaster would be Showtime pay-per-view and uh, not the zone, which was angling to do it as a joint event uh, in any event. One of the parts of that that had to take place before that was Tank Davis saying he was going to have a uh, interim fight on January the 7th, uh, opponent and location to be announced. It is now official that it will be against Hector Luis Garcia, 16-0 with 10 knockouts, who might ring a bell because he is the recently crowned WBA's champion at 130 pounds. So he will move up to 135 and challenge Javante Davis for his secondary 
uh, lightweight title. The fight will take place at the uh, Capital One Arena, which is the big uh, main arena in Washington, D.C., about an hour from Trevante Davis's hometown of Baltimore. It is the home arena for the Washington Capitals in the NHL, uh, the Washington Wizards in the NBA. Um, you know, it's it's my it's my big hometown arena because I live pretty close there. But they haven't had oh, a yeah. boxing event. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but when I was thinking about it, the last time that that arena, well, there's been plenty of fights in the D.C. area, but the last time that specific venue hosted boxing, unless I'm just forgetting something, was all the way back in 2005, which was Mike Tyson's final professional fight against Kevin McBride, wow. which I also covered. Uh, so that's now I've seen like concerts there, like you know, over the years, and they've give had me one. Give me one recently. Give me one in the last 10 years. Give me one in the last well, 10 or 15 years. Give me a concert. I've seen, I saw Kiss there. Ooh. I saw Madonna there. Ooh. You know, but I mean, all the big acts come there. I mean, it's like, it's like DC's version of like, Staples I will Center have you know, in my many broadcast duties, I broadcasted a University of South Florida basketball game in the Big East. The Bulls are no longer in the Big East against Georgetown in that arena, courtside. Probably yeah. 2006, Georgetown home games are mostly played there. Sometimes they Correct. play on campus, et cetera. But you I mean, you would be one to know because it's not far from where you live. You're saying it's been some 15 years and now Davis is going to fight there and the tickets are about to go on sale and it's expected he will sell a bunch of tickets. I don't know if he's going to sell it oh, out. Oh, there's no doubt. He sold, he sold a bunch of tickets everywhere he's fought, basically. The last I've, couple said of years. This, I've said this for a long time because I've lived in the Washington, D.C. area for over 20, my whole, whole career of writing about boxing. I've lived here because I moved here when I got the original boxing job uh, that I had at USA Today. And I'm telling you, Washington, D.C. and this region is a very underrated boxing region. There's It's produced lots of great fighters over the years. Um, you know, they've had some dry spells and some some better spells. But, you know, historically, it's a great fight town. Uh, the fans come out to support it. Uh, it. Obviously, not breaking news here, it's a heavily African-American city. If there's a, a popular African-American fighter, they support even more. Gervonta Davis is that. When he fought at the Armory back when he was champion at 130 pounds, it might have even been before he was champion. He was still fighting on undercards. I was at that card, uh, and they had a great crowd there for for that fight. He drew like like eight or nine thousand to the Armory, which was like eye opening. I mean, it was kind of surprising. Um, so that fight, I'm, I'm telling you right now, Javante uh, Davis in a in a title uh, defense against Hector Garcia as a Showtime pay per view, that will draw a good crowd here. Keep in mind, besides just DC supporting. Uh, those types of big boxing events, uh, you know, at that kind of arena. He's only an hour from his hometown, so you know there's going to be lots of people that are going to come down from Baltimore to uh, to attend that to attend that fight. So I'm excited because uh, we haven't had a big fight like that in D.C., a big event, let's say. I'm not saying it's the biggest fight ever, but in that, and it hasn't been one in a big arena like that. And I, and I think that, that they will definitely do good business. He sold out in Baltimore, uh, you know, when he's fought there. He has sold out in other places around the country. I have no doubt in my mind they'll do a very robust business in Washington, D.C. Um, it's not not a particularly busy time in terms of boxing on the calendar. might be a little cold uh, coming out that night in January, middle of January like that. But you know what? I'm, I'm game for that. I always uh, look at D.C. as a great place to have uh, big fights if they can do it, if it makes sense. And for Gervonta Davis, who's never headlined in D.C., uh, maybe back that one fight I'm thinking of years ago, but I don't even think he was the main event, if my memory is correct. Um, it's going to be a good event. Now, and he's got to win. And it helps set up the the, uh, the Ryan Garcia fight. Now, as you mentioned, also, when the fight was announced that they had agreed to a deal for Ryan and Tank to fight each other, it was said immediately that Tank was going to have this tuna fight, which or, and I don't know if you can call Luis Garcia even a tuna fight. He's a good good fighter uh, and a world champion. In any event, that fight's January 7th, but it was still unclear whether Ryan Garcia would also have a 
uh, interim fight, let's call it. Uh, he went on his social media on Saturday, late Saturday night, and said, yes, in fact, he was going to have a January, he specified January, uh, fight before the tank fight. Now it's a matter of what's the exact date, what's going to be the location. Is it going to be on DAZN? Is it going to be a DAZN pay-per-view? You know, so the particulars have not been outlined. I was in touch with, uh, you know, one of the people on his team, and just to double check, and they confirmed that, yes, indeed, Ryan will fight in January, and all those things I just mentioned are still being hashed out of how it will be broadcast, pay-per-view, or otherwise, who the opponent is, where it's going to take place, uh, what the exact weight will be, all those kinds of things. Um, but the bottom line is that now it seems clear that he will have the interim fight, Davis will have the interim fight. And so they both, as we discussed on the last podcast, they got to win and they got to come away uninjured. And those are two significant things that yes, have to take are. place before they can fight each other in April. And as we've discussed also, we don't have to belabor the point, but Tank Davis also has his legal issues that he has to deal with too that are coming uh, in a trial in February. And let's just, I'm not trying to be a downer on this. Let's put one other factor in here because Ryan Garcia, for a, for a fact, hurt his hand in training and that was back over a year ago, and it delayed him further. A year and a half ago, he hurt his hand in training. Training injuries can happen, too. There's any sure. number of variables. We'll keep the optimism that these guys are going to fight, and at least we have some news, some tangible news of when they're fighting uh, in January, um, at least confirmed for Davis, and we believe somewhere around there for Garcia. Because, again, as I, as I mentioned, not a nuclear secret. Ryan Garcia doesn't want to fight in, like, mid-February and then turn sure. around and fight under your uh, proposed date that you're reporting of April 15th, then Davis would have too much of an advantage uh, if that's the case. So just, you know, the, figure out when you can make that fight happen for um, Garcia. And it's probably going to be somewhere around the time that, um, that Gervonta Davis is fighting yeah, as and, well. And Garcia, like you said, I mean, look, we were not expecting he's fighting King Kong before he's fighting of course. Ryan Garcia, but he, to, to, to put a fight on pay-per-view, you, you got to fight somebody. I mean, you know, so at least they have, like, a, a better grade of opponent in Garcia, uh, Hector Luis Garcia, not Ryan. In other words, he's fighting Garcia in January. Oh, by the way, it's not Ryan. Right. <laughs> it's Hector Luis. But that's all things considered, that's not a bad opponent relative. Now, yes, it's a smaller guy moving up to challenge in the heavier weight class, but I like the fact that uh, – Garcia, you got to go go back to like August after he had become the WBA champion. He was calling Tank Davis out back several months ago. Correct. So he's not he he wants this fight based on his comments. This is a fight that he embraces. When he I went back and looked up the comments he had made back in August, and he was like, "I'll fight him at 130 if he wants me to go to 135." You know, you just tell me, I'll fight him no matter. He told matter. you that on the podcast that we had on this very podcast feed that I will fight him at 130. We'll figure out a way to make it work. He was he was open to it, and they finally have figured it out. And that's I'm talking about I'm talking about Hector Garcia. Not oh, Ryan Hector Garcia. Garcia. I got you. My bad. Hector yeah. Garcia was saying in August, I want to fight Ryan Garcia. And then I'll read the quote. He says, I, I want to keep aiming for the top and beating. And after beating Chris Colbert and uh, Roger yep. Gutierrez, those were the two upsets he had this year. That was a big upset that got him the mandatory. And then he beat Gutierrez for the title. He said he wants the biggest challenges out there. Tank Davis. I don't care what weight we fight at. I will move up to 135 to fight for his title or we can meet at 130 and fight for my title and his title can make it an even bigger fight. So he's hungry for this fight. He is undefeated. He has some, some uh, pedigree to him. He was an Olympian for the Dominican Republic in 2016. He's had a breakout year in 2022 with uh, two upset victories, including winning a world title. Um, he's not an old fighter. He's 31 years old. There's only a couple, you know, tank is 28. Um, the wrinkle there is he's also a Southpaw. Um, and honestly, if I'm, if I'm the tank Davis team and I'm getting ready to fight Ryan Garcia, 
I don't know if I want to be fighting a southpaw the fight before then I want to be fighting another or right-handed fighter. So there's that wrinkle also. So again, there's some mild intrigue there. I, 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 I still have a hard time grasping it as a probably what would be like a, you know, a 70 or $80 pay-per-view, but that's a different story. But in terms of the competition, they're at least putting Davis in with a reputable, legitimate opponent. All right, there we go on that. A few minutes left. Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast. I will mention again to the audience, we do our Bet US uh, boxing show on Fridays at 1 Eastern time. Uh, Rayfield would like to point out you were what for the record for this weekend? Uh, well, I was 3-1 and one and you were 3-0. Yeah. and oh. All right, so we did well. We did well for yeah, the we, peeps. We both had the picks. over, under, and the, and the my, outcome of the But Davis your son team. and my my 14-year-old twins could have picked Jaime Munguia for the knockout. It was just a matter of when was he going to do it. Right, you were uh, too much of a wuss to go for the over, under. I took I, the over. It was yeah. three and a half. He knocked yeah. him on three. We just missed, but I that's understand. life. We're still above 500. I agree. We're still, uh, we're still making our people money is the bottom line. Yes, that is correct. So BetUS also sponsoring our podcast, by the way, Dan. Uh, as well so we have a promo code that we want you to utilize if you are looking to wager whether it's on boxing and this is a tremendous time of the year if you're looking at short-term investing and fooling around don't gamble the rent money all right we're not talking about don't gamble the food money for the kids in the house but if you're fooling around with this stuff and you're looking to wager do it with our friends at bet us because we do that show every friday at one eastern time on their platform their youtube channel they have got a promo offer right now through us get a 125 percent match bonus with us through bet us and through big fight weekend with our promo code bfw22 bfw22 for big fight weekend uh, and you will get a 125 percent match bonus that means uh, friends, I'll do the math for you. You put a hundred bucks in on your initial deposit, you're going to get two twenty-five to wager with. They'll give you another hundred twenty-five bucks. You put two hundred in, they're going to give you another uh, two hundred and fifty bucks to wager with. Uh, just one hundred twenty-five percent match bonus. Take care of business with our friends at BetUS. Use our promo code BFW22. This is good for all sports, not just boxing. If you want to wager on the on the college football, the uh, the NFL's got Thanksgiving games, the college football mayhem that's going to go on the next couple of weekends, the NBA, college basketball, it's all good. They've got it all on BetUS, everything uh, that you can imagine you can wager on uh, through them, including the fights, including this Zapata Progray fight, including the great fights on December 3rd with Tyson Fury returning. Whatever you want to do, BFW22 is our promo code. Enter that in. And you get a 125% match bonus. Again, the stipulation is up to $2,500 on your initial deposit. They'll match you 125% up to $2,500 initially deposited. Go sign up with BetUS, their America Sportsbook. For 25 years, their America Sportsbook. Go sign up with them. Use our promo code BFW22. Remaining few moments, did you want to say anything else? Because Hasim Rahman Jr. was in the ring, uh, air quotes, and got decked by a guy, Greg Hardy, a former NFL football player, a former UFC fighter, was in the ring for a, it was a boxing match. It was not just MMA or whatever. And he knocked down Hasim Rahman and eventually decisioned him. And this was a fighter being considered to fight Jake Paul. And so anything else you did, you did watch this. Your, your hand is up I mean, figuratively. Was, you're owning up to, you did watch this. I absolutely did watch it. I was tweeting about it and everything. I was like, uh, you know, it was not a lot going on last night. So uh, the, the, it's not exactly like the, as we discussed, the Jaime Munguia card was not exactly uh <laughs> must see TV. So I was looking for some diversions and uh, I did tune in. I didn't watch all the rest of that YouTube, uh, 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 KSI business. was in action as well, but to this second, I can't tell you what happened in that fight, and I feel fine. I feel no, he wasn't fine. on that show. I thought KSI was in that show. No, he's one of the promoters of that, that oh, outfit. Okay. 
right. he fought on one of the shows that they did like in the UK a oh, few okay. weeks ago. But All right, fair he enough. was ringside. That's what I saw. And he was sitting with uh with Logan Paul, Jake's brother. Okay. At the show. In any event, so the one boxing match on that, I'm not I was not looking at the YouTube and the influencer fights of you know very novice type fighters, kind of messy. But Rockman Jr., love him or hate him, he's 12 and 1. He's a, he was a 12 and 1 heavyweight trying to make a name for himself. He's the, obviously the son of the former heavyweight champ, Hasim Rockman Sr. So he was supposed to have a fight against Vitor Belfort, the former UFC fighter also, uh, you know, who had the knockout against the archaic Evander Holyfield yes. in exhibition and whatever. He was, I think, 1 and 0 or whatever. Anyway, he came down with COVID. So the week of the fight, they had to get a new opponent and they brought in Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy, as you mentioned, he's former NFL defensive end, had had uh, some fights and done decently in the UFC. And now he's turning his attention to boxing. He was 1-0 and coming into the fight against 12-1 and Hasim Rockman Jr. And the thing about it going in was it's heavyweight boxing. There's no weight limit. So Greg Hardy outweighed Hasim Rockman by 94 pounds. He was 320 <laughs> pounds. He actually, and I have to say, for a guy 320, he carried it pretty well. I mean, he wasn't in like perfect shape, and he right. only took a week notice. But that dude did not look bad at three twenty by his any means. playing weight was around three hundred pounds. Yeah, no, he, he, he looked pretty NFL, good at that. So, and Hasim Rockman was two twenty six. I did kind of find it. Um, I don't know if ironic is the right word, but maybe karma it comes to play, where Jake Paul and and Rockman had signed to do a fight at around at two hundred and five pounds, and Rockman purposely blew the weight and was not going to make the weight and was going to try to give himself an advantage uh, unfairly over Jake Paul, which is the reason why the fight was canceled. And now in his next fight, he finds himself in a fight where he's outweighed by 94 pounds. Now he knows what it's feel, what it feels like to be in uh, after he tried to be a weight bully. Um, right. In any event, the 226 pound Rockman got toyed with by the 320 pound, far less experienced boxer. And, the, uh, and we Greg should Hardy. interject. This was not Rockman's first fight and it wouldn't have been the same way with Jake Paul. He had had like, 13 fights right yeah he's he had, 12 and one so and, and yet greg hardy steps in and beats so he, him so there you go first round greg hardy got out boxed a little bit maybe he was trying to see what's going on this is by the way this is an official sanctioned three-minute boxing round actual fight normal gloves the whole just a regular four-round fight second round hardy started to pick up the pace and started landing very good solid shots put hasim rockman on the deck hurt him bad the rockman spit the mouthpiece out to buy some extra time uh, but he lost that round. He got hurt again in the third round with an uppercut, almost went down again. And then, you know, again, uh, Greg Hardy showed a solid jab and, you know, good combinations, good counterpunching. And he basically, he beat up Rockman for three out of the four rounds and he won the decision. And so now Rockman has lost two fights in a row. The previous fight he had lost by a stoppage to the son of Tommy Morrison. And then he obviously had the situation with what happened with Jake Paul. And now he comes back and he has this fight with Greg Hardy. He loses. And uh, your boy Hasim Rockman uh, is kind of now, uh, you know, in the dumper with two straight losses. Okay. Uh, you gave that about three minutes more than I thought we were going to give that. But I understand you were watching it. You were, you were, you're owning up to that. You saw it. Uh, uh, and we'll see. What I, Jake admit Paul it. Likes to I, I admit you it. I admit it. Yes. We'll and see I have what to say, all, all, in all seriousness, that one fight. I mean, I'm not saying it was like serious big time boxing. I was entertained for four rounds. Okay. I can tell with by the look on your face that you were. I'm just moving on. Uh, there is an anniversary that you also <laughs> want to cover, and you were tweeting about this on Sunday night as well, that involves a classic 
knockout of a fight. What has this been? A decade? 2010, right? 12 years ago oh, now? Yes. I yeah. remember yeah. I remember the knockout of Paul Williams, and I can't believe it was 12 years ago. And you mentioned this knockout before because of the the vacant look. You were ringside. So pick up the story on the anniversary. Well, what people should know is that this was, at that time, 12 years ago, Paul Williams, Sergio Martinez was a big fight. Big crowd at Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City. Two best middleweights in boxing. They had had a first fight that took place in 2009 that was a fight of the year candidate that Paul Williams won by majority decision, uh, where one judge bizarrely scored the fight literally 11 rounds to one in favor of Paul Williams, which was obscene <laughs> in a fight where they both had knockdowns scored. So the only round that the judge gave to Sergio Martinez was the round where he scored a knockdown. But that 2009 first fight was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Sergio had taken that fight on somewhat short notice, filling in for what was supposed to be Kelly Pavlik against Paul Williams. Kelly Pavlik at that time was the middleweight champion. Uh, it didn't happen. But when after the Paul Williams fight occurred and Sergio had lost a close decision, he still got the chance to fight Kelly Pavlik in the next fight. So the loss didn't really hurt him. He challenged Pavlik in early 2010 for the middleweight title, the unified title at the time. Pavlik, he was the, the champ lineal-wise, but he also was the WBC and the WBO champion. And uh, I covered that fight also, also at Boardwalk Hall. He cut Kelly Pavlik very severely. He won the decision. He became the middleweight champion. And in his first defense, he fought Paul Williams, who was the mandatory contender, a worthy mandatory contender. And for uh, for those who want to complain because you see catchweight fights, I'll remind you that that fight between Paul Williams and, uh, and Sergio Martinez, their rematch was contracted at 158 pounds, two less than the middleweight limit. But it was a big deal fight. Paul Williams was on the pound-for-pound pound list. Sergio Martinez had a lot of supporters. He obviously was a talent, and it was a big deal. And uh, everybody expected a fight of the year type fight based on what they had seen in their first match. And uh, that did not happen. And the reason was because in the second round, with one massive overhand shot, mm -hmm. Kelly uh, Sergio Martinez just absolutely laid waste to Paul Williams and knocked him out as bad. And as I tweeted, and as I've said, as bad of a knockout as you'll ever see, one of the worst knockouts in terms of devastation that I've ever been ringside for. I always say there's a couple in that spring immediately to mind. I made a, a list on Twitter of a several more, but right off the bat, you're talking about Paul Williams getting iced by Sergio, Manny Pacquiao knocking out Ricky Haddon, Ricky Haddon, uh, not Ricky Haddon, Manny Pacquiao getting knocked out by Juan Manuel Marquez yes. in their, in their, uh, he's not getting up to him. Exactly. And then, uh, you know, then there's a couple of Deontay Wilder fights that fall into that category. Also like when he knocked out uh, Arthur Spilka, when he knocked out Bermain Stavert in the rematch, but the, and these these were not the the context is these are all fights I was ringside for. But that Paul Williams knockout mm -hmm. that Sergio authored was absolutely ridiculous. And he fell to the mat face first. And he's as he came to rest, his neck was turned. He was facing ringside press area. That was one of the four sides of the ring. He was facing directly into where we were sitting. And I will never forget as long as I live the look on Paul Williams's eyes, looking directly at us, but a completely vacant look as he's laying there on the mat before the doctors uh, got in there to help. Now, I was worried about him, but I'm glad yes. that he was okay. But, wicked uh, shot. Landed wicked face, shot. Wait, landed face first. Thankfully, that was a big-time right. classic knockout. Big-time HBO championship, world championship boxing, mm -hmm. not pay-per-view. A big, big fight. Uh, and, you know, I can't believe it's been 12 years. Uh, you did put some mementos on Twitter, including your credential and a fight poster, et cetera, out of the way, out of the Rayfield collection. They can check that out as the 10th, the 12th anniversary from 2010 of that fight has taken place. Where does the time go uh, with some of these uh, 
with some of these fights. All right, anything else in conclusion here? We've covered a bunch for the recap. Uh, we're ready for Thanksgiving later this week. Anything else? Or are we I think good? we're good, Daddy-o. Uh, Everybody be safe. Oh, there's a ton of people by the millions that will be traveling by air, by car, et cetera. Uh, have a great Thanksgiving, I, Dan. Yeah, you? I will not be one of those people traveling. I have traveled on Thanksgiving this year. Oh. Not happening. All right. So in my world, I will have Thanksgiving here, and then I am headed, and we will talk before this because we're going to do the preview. I will head to Alabama and Tuscaloosa, Alabama, for the Alabama-Auburn uh, College Football Iron Bowl, one of the classic rivalry games in college football. I will broadcast that on national radio with your boy Tiki Barber from the New York Giants. He and I will get the privilege uh, to do that game on Saturday. And then I've got to make my way to Cleveland. Like Kenny Chesney sings, in the morning I'm leaving, making my way back to Cleveland. I'm but here's a question, TJ. For Cleveland Sunday morning, so I've got a busy weekend, so I will travel on the weekend after gorging my friend for Thanksgiving on Thursday, is my point. But when you're in Tuscaloosa, will you finally man up and find I need the, to. I, Wilder I need to go find the Wilder statue. We were trying. I was trying to make time to go I need a that. selfie of you with the statue. I know you do, and I've been there twice, and it's my fault. Uh, it's not right by Bryant-Denny Stadium, but I will try to find it on this go-around when we're there. Because bear in mind, you know this, Birmingham is about 45 minutes to the north, Tuscaloosa to the southwest. So we're not staying in Tuscaloosa because God uh, for the what for the Iron Bowl? Are you kidding me with uh, the people and the gouging of prices? But anyway, um, I literally think I saw this on a receipt. Not that they gouge hotel rooms in Alabama for the weekend of the Alabama Auburn game. I think I saw a six hundred and seventy five dollar hotel room for the night. <laughs> I'm staying one night. It's six seventy five. It's not New York. It's not L A. Well, you got uh, at least you got your expenses paid oh for. Oh my God. All right. So anyway, all of that is coming. My point is with the travel after Thanksgiving. So everybody that's traveling, uh, hearing us now, that's traveling this week, be safe. Be safe getting there. Enjoy all the food. You and I are in agreement. Pecan pie, not pumpkin pie. Get rid of that. Little turkey, little stuffing, some sides. I'm responsible for making the broccoli casserole. You want to know why, Rayfiel? You want to know why Fight Freaks audience? Because it's idiot proof. It's frozen broccoli. It's Velveeta cheese. It's crumbled up Ritz crackers and butter microwave. Spread it on. Bake it in, on uh, about 400 for about 30 minutes. It's almost impossible to screw that up. I make the broccoli casserole. I you know, I'll tell you what. Up. If uh. If the boxing podcast stuff doesn't work out for you, maybe you want to think about a cooking podcast. Doubtful. Doubtful, but I do make the idiot-proof broccoli casserole. That's how that works. So in any event, uh, everybody be safe. Everybody get plenty to eat. Enjoy the football. And we'll be back with the preview with Pro Gray and Zapata due to fight and all the fights this weekend. We will have a preview that will be out on Black Friday and for the weekend for all the shopping and all the stuff that's going to go on. We'll have a preview for this weekend. So stand by. In the meantime, they need to read your Substack, Fight Freaks Unite. Read BigFightWeekend.com as well. Dan, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, and we appreciate it. You bet. And I'll tell the folks also, if they're really anxious to watch that fight between Zapata and Progray, go back to the last podcast and listen to my interview. He was just with us on the podcast just before the Big Fight Weekend preview. Uh, all of you, happy Thanksgiving. Be safe. Thank you for finding us. For Dan, I'm TJ. This is the Fight Freaks Unite recap. We're back later after Thanksgiving to preview the final weekend of November. Until then, we're good. Bye.